Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. Luxury brands use branding so much that I think at this point, that's really what they rely on to sell a lot of their products. And here's what I mean by that. When I use the term brand or branding on the show at any time, I am not referring to all businesses. This is not a catch-all term. I know it's used as a buzzword and it pisses me the fuck off, but it is not a catch-all term. A business and a brand, fundamentally different. Creators and influencers, fundamentally different. One is not better than the other, um, depending on what your definition of better is, because that's going to be subjective, but they are different. In the creator realm, you have a personal brand as a creator, um, and you are able to be, call yourself an influencer when you are able to, uh, influence people's behavior. If you made a video talking about um, the coffee that you drink and people went to the link that you told them to click on and ordered that coffee and bought it, you influenced their behavior. And I don't think people realize how difficult that actually is to do, to get somebody to leave a platform that they're perfectly happy on, to go click a link, to go to some other website, to buy from a company that they maybe did not know before, Or try something that they've never tried because you told them to. That's influence, okay? On a creator level. Content creators and influencers, one again, one is not better than the other. It just kind of depends on your skill sets, what you want to do, da-da-da-da-da. All these questions you have to ask yourself. Same thing with businesses and brands. When you have a product or service, you have a business, If you have an LLC, great, congratulations, you just registered your business. That took like 20 minutes. Building a brand, you look at Netflix that just celebrated their 25th anniversary this year, that took 25 years. Ups and downs of building a brand. A brand is the emotional value of a business. A business offers products and services. A brand sells a feeling. So let's look at examples, right? You have the, um, you have the elf, what is it? Halo glow filter product. That is a direct like dupe of supposedly of the Charlotte Tilbury. Like, I think, I don't remember what the, like flawless face filter. Okay. Formulaically, they're similar. But people are still buying the one from Charlotte Tilbury for like $50. The elf one, I think, is like 14 or something like that. Um, the reason that you would go and buy the elf one is because you're familiar with the $50 product and you don't want to spend $50. So you're going to go buy the $14 product. You're not going to buy that because it's you're part of some cool club or it makes you feel that much more confident or whatever, it, you, what drove you to the $14 product was the price point. Charlotte Tilbury is a brand. Charlotte Tilbury could decrease the quality of its products 
they could come out with the same shade of nude pink and call it Pillow Talk 2.0 and people would still buy it because they have created a place in people's hearts. They have created um, uh, a club that's cool to be a part of that may, you know, make you feel like you're better at makeup because you're using a more expensive brand. It may be, uh, you may feel cooler because the packaging is cuter. You may feel better than people because it's at a higher price point and markets itself more as a luxury product. You may like Charlotte Tilbury, the makeup artist, and that's why those are all emotional reasons for buying that product versus you're probably going to buy the e.l.f. one because it's $14. Maybe you'll repurchase it because you, either you are still unable to continue buying the $50 version or you actually figure out that it works better. So it's performance and price point. Charlotte Tilbury is all emotional. It's how it makes me feel as opposed to more quantitative reasoning for why you're buying that product. So that's what branding does. It's able to bottle up a feeling and convey that feeling to a customer. Um, and that's what prompts that customer to then buy a product that may be completely out of their price range. It may not be as good of a performer as another product. It may, you know, not be as well made or maybe it has a problematic celebrity behind it or what have you but it is able to to somehow make you feel heard and seen and make you feel special make you feel like you're part of something and that's what branding does it makes you feel like you're part of something it doesn't just sell you something functional or practical or you know it doesn't use the marketing of price or performance necessarily. It uses other emotional, psychological um, principles that relate to the specific consumer that it's hoping to target. So branding is fundamentally different from just having a business. And luxury brands use branding more than any other category because luxury brands at this point like I said before could literally make poop and put a Chanel logo on it and people would buy it um and I mean Balenciaga has already done that right and the Balenciaga despite being very problematic um currently under uh, Dina Guasalia its creative director the whole purpose of, of the direction of the brand was to actually call out some of these um, branding principles in the luxury market being that you know the logo holds so much weight and so much value so much emotional value not just financial but so much emotional value that you could slap it on a trash bag and people would still buy it and they did that they've they've done that um so luxury brands um, don't actually make money the way that most people think they make money. They do not make money from, from fashion. Um, at this point, I would argue that runway shows and fashion is actually used more as an advertising tactic for luxury brands as opposed to their primary revenue stream. Um, in reality, the primary revenue stream for luxury brands is actually accessories and when I say accessories I mean things like leather goods, shoes, um, 
sunglasses, fragrance, cosmetics, phone cases, things like that. It shouldn't be really surprising because accessories typically come at a lower price point, which means a couple different things. From an emotional standpoint, it gives um, accessibility. It gives an, a gateway, an entryway for people who have been looking at these brands from afar to now be able to be a customer and be part of the community. A phone case from, you know, a brand like Balenciaga might go for something like, I don't know, what is it, like 180 maybe $200, which is still cheaper than buying, you know, a $1,000, $2,000 jacket from them. Um, so it, it's an entry point uh, from an accessibility standpoint. Within that, kind of as a sub-bullet point, um, it allows for people to become customers of the brand through these accessories and then when they you know either save up or have the funds to afford a more more higher price point item from that brand they will be more likely to buy from the brand that they bought an accessory from than go somewhere else right so Maybe you've been wanting to buy a Gucci bag for a really, really long time. You wanted to buy it new. You didn't want to go the vintage route. You wanted a new Gucci bag. So you maybe started with a phone case. Then you, let's say you were like, okay, I'm going to save up my salary. You know, when I get a promotion, I'm going to get myself a gift. I'm going to get myself a Gucci bag straight from the store. So when you get that that money you're more likely to go spend it at Gucci than to go to Armani or Versace or uh, Dior to get that bag because you already have a Gucci phone case and you went to get the accessory from the brand that you've been like craving from afar all of this happens subconsciously by the way um but that's essentially how that works um so it, it provides an entryway to to new customers who have been wanting to be part of the brand culture in some capacity to access that brand culture from a lower price point um, via accessories. From a financial standpoint, accessories, because they are of a um, more accessible price point, there are less discounts on accessories, which then provides a higher margin to these luxury brands because they don't need to discount a phone case or a lipstick like it's just not necessary um, whereas it might be more in their best interest to discount an out-of-season jacket um, to get that off the rack than a, a an accessory so again that these accessories provide them with a higher a higher margin so for example like from 2012 to 2017 I believe uh, Gucci made 60% of its revenue from accessories, uh, specifically leather goods and shoes. I don't believe they had beauty at the time in 2017. Um, or maybe they had just started it in 2017. But yeah, so the majority of these luxury brands make their money with accessories. And the accessories, by the way, are not produced in-house. Um, they're all outsourced. So, for example, um, and I'm not a product developer. I, you can listen to um, episode the episode with with uh, Alia O'Neill, who's uh, one of my friends and also a mentor on all things product. If you want to know the specific terminology, but um, 
there's a company called Luxotica that actually uh, manufactures all uh, major designer sunglasses. So Versace, Gucci, Fendi. Um, those items are not made in-house. They are made with an external partner manufacturer same thing with cosmetics um there have been talks going around for years at this point that luxury designer cosmetics are often made by the same manufacturers who manufacture drugstore cosmetics that does not mean necessarily that the formula is equivalent to drugstore cosmetics because uh formulas can differ just because you're using the same factory or same manufacturer doesn't mean you have the same process uh between a drugstore brand and a luxury brand um but it can be the case not always um but everything is is outsourced and of course you know uh i believe actually case case is one of the uh outsourced manufacturers that creates luxury phone cases um, so designer phone cases. I know there are a few others, but I think they are also one of them. Um, and they occupy a, a pretty like mid-tier price point uh, for their own like in-house collections. Um, so when I say that luxury brands rely purely on branding is they're able to not necessarily dedicate as much time to creating like quality products or you know really like incredibly performing items or anything like that because they know that people are not buying these things because they're looking for quality only they're not buying them the way you would buy a $14 product from elf because you you know it's it's getting expensive to buy the $50 product from charlotte tilbury they people they know that people are not going there for functionality and for performance and for these more like quantitative ways of buying things they know that people are buying these things because it will make them look or feel better it will make them maybe feel more superior or elevated it will alleviate or mitigate some sort of insecurity or simply you know maybe they are so attached to the company's founding stories um maybe they love you know the story of coco chanel or um the story of the, the gucci family or um you know donatella and gianni versace um or what have you right i'm pretty sure that latter though is a, is a rather small percentage compared to people who are buying things because you know, and it makes them feel better or they, it makes them look better or what have you, more confident. Um, so it, it's very interesting because, you know, you have a lot of other brands that sell things that still have to sell things more, um, how to say, more, more functionally or market additional features and benefits more. Um, they have to dedicate more time to doing that than a luxury brand. Um but I highly recommend looking into the stories of these companies too, because I think it will be quite inspiring. Um, a lot of them were met with, you know, the same kind of disdain that uh, other brands were met with um, when they first were founded. Uh, for example, uh, Gucci is actually one of the most interesting stories. I think there's there's a memoir written by one of the family members, not House of Gucci. House of Gucci is not a memoir. It is a novel, it's fictional, historical fiction, technically, I guess. Um, there's a book called 
In the Name of Gucci by Patrizia Gucci. Um, she's one of the uh, grand is a daughter or granddaughters of the founder Adolfo Gucci. Um, and actually, she talks about the story of the company and, and that it was actually fabricated. Like they were not wealthy by any means. The family themselves had nothing to do with horses whatsoever. But because that would make them look more elevated and more sophisticated, and that was the symbol of luxury at the time, at the at the time the company was founded, um, that they decided to create this story of you know it being a, an equestrian brand when in reality it had nothing to do with that whatsoever. So it's really fascinating. Um, to look into some of how some of these luxury brands were founded and how some of them were founded because they knew that they would not be able to to you know have a successful business any other way so i highly recommend looking into that but yeah i'm currently in milan i've recorded this episode because you know milan is <laughs> a fashion capital and a lot of where these especially italian luxury brands are based um I'm currently in a hotel room, like, literally two blocks away from the Versace offices. So, it's, you know, it's very fascinating. But yeah, if you have any questions also about, like, branding or if you currently have a business and you're trying to find that emotional value within your business, like, let's talk because I think that significantly helps the way that people are able to feel like they're part of something and especially if you want to build an empire if you're one of those people that's like we're building the nike of this we're building the tesla of that um all of those companies are selling with emotional value so i highly recommend doing some research into how they market that and if you need some help that's why i'm here <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.